Over the next six weeks, we'll be digging into Matthew chapter 13 and talking about consistently, confidently, and continually seeking God's kingdom. What we obsess over ultimately has our heart. I want us to be all about the kingdom of God in every area of our lives in 2022. I want us to develop a kingdom obsession. We're finishing up our series today called Kingdom Obsession. And uh, we started it in January, ending today. And uh, I want you to turn, Matthew chapter 13 is where we've been. We've been going through Matthew 13. And we're going to be at the very end of it, verses 47 through 50. Um, they say, and I'm going to say they say because when you, when you look it up, they say it, that it takes seven positives to erase a negative. If something negative is spoken over you or to you, before you start believing what's true or right or good, it takes you hearing that at least seven times. And so we cannot hear enough about the kingdom. The reason is we experience so much of this world. And this world is not what God created. This world and our experience in it is not God's heart. And we experience a lot of the world. Every time we turn on the TV, every time we watch the news, we're experiencing the world. Every time we look and you know, around us and we see pain and we see brokenness, we see hurt, you know, we hear things. We're being affected by the world. And so we cannot hear enough about the kingdom. We need to constantly be hearing it because we get everything the kingdom is not so often. And that's why Jesus taught so much about the kingdom. If you start looking through... Over these last two months, we've just taken Matthew chapter 13, and it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching people, everyday people like you and me. That's who Jesus was talking to, just regular people, and he kept going over. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, this is the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Jesus needed to do that because he knew that the people he loved and cared about, the people that he was walking with, they were getting more than enough of the world. They were seeing all that God had created that had been affected by the fall, by sin, the brokenness, the pain. And that's why we need to be obsessed with the kingdom. And that's why the series, I really believe that God said, kingdom obsession. We got to be obsessed with the kingdom of God. We're obsessed with a lot of things. And I've been saying that for a number of weeks. It's easy for us to become obsessed. We even, we even have disorders called obsessive-compulsive disorder. We get tied in on things. And obsession so often is a bad thing, but when we take this, we say, no, we need to be obsessed with the kingdom. 
And I want to remind you, what does it mean to be obsessed? It means to have, have the kingdom dominate. Love that word. To have the kingdom don, dominate or preoccupy your thoughts, your feelings, your desires. It's to have the kingdom of God permeate your, your entire soul and mind, body, your emotions. That's kingdom obsession. To, to think about the kingdom unceasingly, persistently, to dwell on the kingdom obsessively. So that's a little whacked. Yeah, but you know what? Jesus, according to everybody, Jesus was whacked because he was preaching a kingdom that was totally opposite what was. He, 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 was, he was preaching a kingdom that looked very different than all the kingdoms of the world. That's why the, the leaders were so ticked off with Jesus because he was saying, this isn't how to lead. This isn't where you should be leading people to. The kingdom of God is, is what needs to be. That's why they were so angry, because they wanted it their way. They wanted people to follow them, not Jesus. And so I want us, as your pastor, I want us to be all about the kingdom of God. Kingdom parenting. Kingdom neighbors. Kingdom marriages. Kingdom co-workers. Kingdom siblings. Kingdom brothers and sisters. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. There's another reason why I want us to be all about the kingdom, though. And it comes out of this passage this morning. And the reason is the alternative is terrible. I don't even like that word. I literally changed this word like 10 times. The alternative is horrific. The alternative is terrible. The, the alternative is incredibly scary. The alternative is destruction. The, the alternative, whatever word you want to put in, and that's why I want us to talk about in this last one what Jesus gets at. And he says this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50. Once again, I love that, right there, right? Once again. <laughs> so here, I'm sure there were people, Jesus, seriously, like, can't you give us something new? You know, why the kingdom again? But it says, Jesus, once again. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto the shore then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is painting this picture. And he says, the kingdom is like a net. The kingdom's like a net. And a net, is, it's made to catch fish. 
You know, it's woven, and, and they would have all have known, I mean, a lot of times Jesus taught it was beside, you know, the water. Uh, his number of his disciples were fishermen, and, and so it was just an understood concept. And so he draws again from experience, and he says the kingdom of God is like a net. And a net has a purpose, and the purpose is to catch fish. And he says that the... This net, this net catches fish. What's its purpose? Catch fish. What's it a picture of? It's a picture of God's heart. It's a picture of God's heart. God's heart to save. God's heart to redeem. God's heart to restore. That's what this net is a picture of. It's a a picture of God wanting to catch all, all of, of the people he created, his kids, he's wanting to catch them, to bring them in, to gather them. It's an amazing picture of God's heart. God's plan to take us out of the world. Those fish are going to get caught in the net and they're going to they're going to get pulled out of out of the water and they're going to you know, they're going to be taken and eaten. Well, that's not what God's heart is. His heart isn't to eat us. His heart, though, the the water and the net, it's a picture of God taking us out of the world. It's God's heart. He wants to gather us up, save, redeem, restore, all these amazing words. When we if we were to sit and think, I wish I could just stop and just break down every word. <laughs> to save. To redeem. To redeem means to make it beautiful again, to, to restore, you know? It's like the diamond that's been beat up that just gets polished and put back together. That's God's heart. The life that God created for us is so much more than anything we can think or imagine. And that's part of the problem is we've been so, you know, kind of affected by the world that we have such a limited view of what God thinks of us and what God, the purpose that God has for us. So many of us believe so little about ourselves. We've limited God's view of us because of what the world says. You know, one of our, I was talking with one of us this morning out at the breakfast table again, and, and uh, we were just talking, two of us that are, we're a little chubby, and, uh, and we were talking, and, and I said, we're, no, we're cuddly. And you know, he, was, he was sharing about just feeling like, you know, fat. He used the word fat, and I was like, no, fluffy, sure, cuddly. Squishy. But that, that word in that moment just felt like it was this hammer. You know, the world says things that then that in our mindset bring us so low. It, it affects our value and our worth. Things that are spoken over us. In this passage, it's God's, God hates that we have such a low view of ourselves and others, and he wants, he wants us to experience the realities of the kingdom. 
Revelation chapter 21 talks about this amazing Jesus is going to, he's going to come back and all things are going to be renewed and, 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 and it's going to be as God created it and he's going to take us home and there'll be, you know, we'll be just incredible streams of living water and the picture of freedom and healing and hope and beauty and that's God's heart for us. And it's more than anything we can ever imagine. More than anything we can, we can even picture. And that's a kingdom. And this passage, this net pulling these fish up, it's a picture of God's heart to free us from the pain. To free us from the hurt. And around here, some of us have experienced a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. It's to free us from the, the feeling of competition. I got to be better than you in order to be looked at and to all that nonsense. It's part of the world, not part of the kingdom. In God's kingdom, we're all created uniquely and different. We were away this weekend for a leadership and staff time of strategy and planning and prayer and preparation. And one of the things we started off with on Friday night was the, the vision, the picture of the body. And that every part of the body, every part of the body is important. Every part of the body is unique. And there is not one part, whether it's the eye or the baby toe, that is any less than another or greater than the other. And that's the truth. I think another part of this picture of God's heart is, is God so desperately wants to get us away from the enemy. Right now, the enemy is running rampant, and he is attacking, and he is, and, 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 and that's a part of us and our rebellion and sin, and, and that the enemy has authority. But God's heart is for the enemy to be done, to be destroyed. That's his heart, and that's this picture. And it, it says that, so the kingdom is like a net, but it also says the kingdom is for all people. It says that the net caught all kinds of fish. It, it wasn't just pulling out trout. It was pulling out tuna and sockeye salmon. It was pulling out chub. It was pulling out catfish. It was pulling out, you know, sharks and whatever else. That's all the ones that are coming to my mind right now. The picture is that God's heart is for all people. And that opportunity is given to everyone to have relationship with him. Bible says that God's heart is that not one person, not one person would miss out in relationship with him, that not one person would die without knowing him. That's God's heart. All people, all people. And unfortunately, Jesus is teaching this parable, and not all people were being welcomed. The lame were being left, sitting, begging at the city gates. Remember, there was a story of Jesus 
And he heard the lame man crying out. Once in a while, some awesome brothers and sisters would grab them up and take them to Jesus, but a lot of times they were just forgotten. The lepers were actually kicked out and put away and, and, and never to be touched. People with leprosy. The widow, the orphan, forgotten. Not all people were being welcomed. And Jesus, I think there's a, a point in this passage when he says all fish. It caught all kinds of fish. I think lines were drawn, boundaries were set, and Jesus said, no, the kingdom is for all people. All people. I think another really important part of this parable that we need to to understand when we're talking about kingdom obsession is that God is relentlessly, and I love that word, (laughs) God is relentlessly working to fill the net. When did the net get pulled up? When it was full. It didn't get pulled up until it was full. God is relentlessly working to fill the net. I think a lot of times we can think, well, you know, God's just hoping. Mm -mm. God's at work. God is drawing you and me and everyone. God is at work drawing people to himself. God is, is trying in every way he can to let us know how much he loves us. He is working to bring healing and wholeness and salvation. He is doing everything. We have to join him. And it says when the net is full, the, the fishermen pulled the net up. And it isn't until the net is full that God's going to pull it up. But he will pull it up. Promise. All tribes, all nations, all people, and God said very specifically for you and I who know Jesus that we're supposed to be a part of his mission to go and make disciples of all nations. We have a part to play in the net being full. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus said this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. There will be an end. The net will be pulled up. And here's the part that gets so hard. This is the part that I say, really, Jesus? It says that they'll separate the fish. God's going to separate the fish. It says the good from the bad. 
the righteous from the wicked, the repentant from the prideful, the faithful from the hard-hearted. It doesn't say that, but that's what it's getting at. The good fish are going to be separated from the bad fish. The righteous fish, those that look like Jesus, are going to be separated from the ones that don't. The repentant are going to be separated from the prideful. The faithful are going to be separated from the hard-hearted. The merciful are going to be separated from the religious do-gooder. Because in God's eyes, religion, the only religion that God accepts is what? To love him and love your neighbor. The Bible says that when we take care of the orphan and the widow, that's the religion that he likes. So the other versions of religion that we kind of have, they mean nothing. Our attending service, God doesn't look at that and say, oh, good. Good fish. No. Our being here is important because it helps us stay focused. It helps us stay accountable. It helps us learn together and be, you know, kind of swimming in the same direction. Did you catch that fish analogy? <laughs> that was a little fishy. <laughs> it's it's the, the parable, another parable that Jesus taught was the, the parable of the sheep and the goats in, in Matthew chapter 25. And he said, like, when you, when you gave me a cup of cold water, and they're like, when did we give you a cup of cold water, Jesus? Well, when, when you gave a, a cup of cold water to the least of those, when you took time out of your busy schedule to love somebody, that's when you loved me. When you took time to, like, you know, go and sit with someone who is in pain, that's when you loved me. When, when you took time to do A, B, C, and D, that's when you loved me. And they're like, well, we didn't see you, Jesus. And he's like, get away from me. If, if, if you didn't do that, get away from me. Like, you have no part in me if, if you aren't doing kingdom things. And that's where this gets really hard. Because if we haven't chosen Jesus... If we haven't chosen Jesus, if we aren't focused on the kingdom, if, if we're not becoming more like Jesus, if we're not living obediently, it's no different than rolling dice with our lives. Well, hopefully I get in. I'm horrible at dice. Horrible. And I was talking to a friend yesterday. His name's Mark, and we were talking about this yesterday morning. And I said, whew, this passage is so hard. And he's like, yeah, he's like, but honestly, like, it really comes down to, do we want to roll the dice that it may be true or might not be true? I'm like, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Either, either I believe Jesus who he is, or I'm going to roll the dice and say, well, hopefully, hopefully this isn't true, because what Jesus says is there is going to be a separation, and what we, how we live and what we do matters, and how we live matters, 
and who we're living for matters. And if we're not living for him, then we're living for the world, which means there will be a separation. And if we're living for the world, we are not going to experience the, the, the kingdom. And Jesus uses, and again, it's Jesus, so don't be mad at me, okay? But he says it's literally, it's a fiery furnace. It's like life of tor- like separation from God, separation from Christ is torment. Whatever it looks like, literally, missing relationship with God is hell. And Jesus is like, he doesn't want anyone to experience that, and that's why he's teaching this parable. And, and, and this, this parable, this teaching, this kind of end of kingdom obsession, it, it really needs to <laughs> cause all of us to pause. It needs to, it, it, we need to pause and we need to do some reflection. And I think the very first question that, that we need to pause on is, am I obsessed with the kingdom of God in my daily life? Am I obsessed with God and his kingdom in my daily life? Not just once in a while, but in my daily living, am I obsessed with the kingdom? You know, I shared this verse at the very beginning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Are we taking God at his word? Are we taking God at his word? Are we trusting him that he'll help us live kingdom obsessed? We don't need to figure it out. You don't need to come to Bill after church and say, how do I live in the kingdom? God loves you so much that when we say yes to Jesus, we start to seek him. He's going to help us. His, whole, his spirit is going to live in us and, and, and lead us into the right next steps. So I think we need to ask ourselves, am I obsessed with the kingdom in my daily life? Not just, yay, like, you know, I love Jesus in the kingdom, but then doing something else. I think the second question, are my thoughts, my desires, and my actions centered around the teachings of Jesus? Does the math of my life add up to looking like Jesus, living like Jesus, smelling like Jesus? We just finished a series not too long ago called Jesus Centered. And if you didn't get the book and you want a copy of that book, it's available on the back table written by a good friend of mine, Steve Brown. And it's all about learning to live the Jesus Centered life. But are my thoughts, my desires, my actions centered around the teachings of Jesus? Because that's how we start to know we look like him. We have to be centered around him. Thirdly, am I Jesus-centered? And this ties into this last question. Am I practicing the ways of Jesus? Am I practicing the things that Jesus practiced so that I can be like him? 
Jesus oftentimes went off to just be with the Father. Are we taking time away from the world to just be with God? To just sit with the Bible? You say, I don't understand it. Well, take some verses that we looked at this morning and just sit with them and let God explain them to you. He will. Sometimes we just want to rush through it. You know, we want to, God, what, what does it say? I don't understand what it says, but we're not sitting with it. We just need to sit with it. You say, how did you figure out about the net? Literally, I sat with the scriptures, and God showed me the picture of the net in his hand. I didn't, I didn't go do a whole bunch of research and study. I sat there, and I listened, and I looked, and I said, this net, oh, my word, God, like this, you're giving me a picture of your hand gathering up. That's... When we sit and we reflect, we come to understand the things of the kingdom. It takes seven positives to erase a negative, right? So if we want to be kingdom-focused, we've got to spend enough time having the scriptures and God's voice through prayer, meeting in groups with one another. We've got to get around the table and talk about the Bible. We've got to talk about living Jesus-centered to overwrite all that we're taking in during the week. So it can't just happen Sunday. If we're hoping Sunday is going to keep us focused and centered, it won't. Why do I say that? Because people have been trying it for centuries, and it hasn't changed their lives at all. It's a part of it, but not all of it. And then fourthly, I think, am I broken over my sin, my turning away? And we started off this service this morning as we were singing, really saying, laying it down. Are, are we laying it down? Are we repentant? Are we wanting to be a fish that's separated into the kingdom? And that means getting rid of the junk constantly. Are we truly repentant? Do we want to be a good fish? sounds so stupid to say, but it's right here in the Bible. Do we want to be a good fish? Do we want to be a fish that God's pulling into the kingdom? Yes. What does that need to look like? It's the passage that we looked at with that beautiful loaf of bread a couple weeks ago. Sorry, I know you're getting hungry. Is, is the kingdom working through all of us? Are we letting the kingdom, like the yeast in the bread, work through? How disappointed would it have been if you can picture that loaf of bread, if I pulled it out of the bag and half of it was flat and half of it was risen because only part of it got the yeast? I would have been bombed. You know, spending the money on it and pull it out, and it's like, you baked this. But when it came out, the yeast had worked all the way through it, and it was beautiful and full and yummy. It was yummy because I took it home and made grilled cheese out of it. The yeast has to work all the way through us. The kingdom has to work all the way through us. And that means getting rid of the world in us. And whether we've walked with Jesus for one day, 
maybe even in this, the moments of this morning, maybe some of you are saying yes to Jesus now, like you're feeling the pull. You're feeling God's like, whether it's that or you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, there is still more of the world in us that needs to come out. Arrival's not the end game, we sang. The journey's where it's at. Heaven is a reality, and the end of the age is coming when Jesus, either Jesus returns or we die, and in that last moment, we're, 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 it's not maybe and or if, it's I'll either be in heaven or I'm going to experience hell. And the journey is continuing to become more and more like Jesus assured of where we're going. The enemy can't remove us from the kingdom of heaven. The mess of the world can't remove us. The only person that has, has power for us not to be in heaven with God is us. And so we got to live every moment obsessed with the kingdom. Amen? Because I want to spend eternity with all of you. I want to sing in Spanish and Swahili, and I want to sing in every language. I, I love it. I want to I see all of us. Tough passage, but an amazing passage. Because we're not figuring out on our own. Because like I said, God is relentlessly at work for you. The Father is relentlessly, relentlessly active for us to be with Him. Through the easy, through the hard, through the terrible, and through the joy-filled, God is at work. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for each one that's here and online. Father, thank you for your heart for us. Jesus, your words are tough. They're simple, but they're tough. And I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you just speak the truth. But it's spoken in love. Your heart isn't to separate. Your heart is to gather in. We so often feel like, and we've been led to believe by the enemy, that it's all about the separation. No, it's all about the gathering. And your heart is to gather us all, to see all of us experience the realities of the kingdom, that's your heart. And so I pray that, that every single truth of this morning would just penetrate deep into our minds, that all of the lies of the enemy, all of the mess of this world, the brokenness, that, that we would hear through it your heart of love and of wanting to save and redeem and restore and spend eternity with. God, help us. Help us to be humble, to be truthful, to say, yeah, we're not there yet. And here's an area, God, I want you to be working in. Help us to be confident in, in, in the truth of your word and to be confident in the fact that you who began a good work you're going you're gonna to finish it. You're not going to get us partway and then leave us hanging. 
You're, you're going to walk with us. The Bible says, you, you said in Psalm 23 that even through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to walk with us. You're going you're to take care of us. You're going to protect us. Even in, in the midst of, of the greatest enemy, you're going to sit us down at this table and you're going to feed us and, and we're going to experience rest. I want to take you at your word. That's what I want for our church family all over the place. So do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, God. According to what you've done, Jesus, on the cross, giving your life for us so that we could be set free, and through the power of your resurrection, enabling us to live as free men and women. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. I want to encourage you to head to newlifecommunity.us and click on the Connect tab for all of your next steps. I'd also love to encourage you to share with us any of the ways that we can be praying on that Connect card as well. Until next time, take care, everyone.